Welcome, guys. Welcome to Fiat Lux. Today on the show, we have Doug Tooman of the Monero Talk and Monerotopia shows, as well as the creator of the Monerotopia Conference. How's it going, Doug? Good, man. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate you coming. Uh, and I'm excited to talk about Monero, Monero community, um, all, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, I, I have to admit, I don't know a lot about uh, Monero, so I'm a bit of a, a novice when it comes to this stuff. So you have to, you have to bear with me. Um, but I am very interested in privacy, very interested in crypto and, and technology uh, and, you know, uh, advancing society into a, it's a better place. Uh, and so, um, you know, hopefully I, I, I like to think that Monero is one of those tools that, that will advance us. Um, so on that note, um, I'd like to start with something really basic. Um, what is Monero? Good question. Good question, my man. Monero, my, my elevator pitch is Monero is the private, anonymous, untraceable version of Bitcoin. So it's it's true digital cash. Similar, you know, similar to Bitcoin, uses all the, the same basic blockchain technology. Uh, was invented a few years after Bitcoin, and it was invented in response to Bitcoin in an effort to make it more cash-like. Uh, so the primary difference being, um, you know, blockchain technology, uh, ledgers coming, to, you know, uh, nodes coming to consensus on the ledger. But in Monero, the ledger is obfuscated. In Bitcoin, the ledger is is transparent. All the transactions can be seen. All the amounts can be seen. The sender and receiver's address can be seen. In Monero, all those components are obfuscated. So effectively, uh, you're doing the same thing as Bitcoin in terms of how it how the architecture works, but you're not revealing the transactions to the world as you do this. So it it, it creates privacy among the users, and most importantly, perhaps it creates fungibility, so that when people do transact. There's no question as to the history of those transactions. There's no history that can be attached to any transaction because the blockchain is obfuscated. Whereas in Bitcoin, histories are inevitably attached to transactions because of the nature of the transparent blockchain. And because of that, Bitcoin, one Bitcoin is viewed differently potentially as another because of the previous transactions. So it, it lacks fungibility and so monero solves the fungibility problem of bitcoin okay um so you mentioned um a few quite a few things there um that i want to maybe dive into um so you said true digital cash okay um and i guess maybe for people that are unaware um i suppose why is true digital cash important um and why, why did you call it true digital cash? I, th I think maybe I'm aware of why you did that. Um, I think because maybe it affords you some of the same benefits as actual, you know, paper cash does, but it's just the digital version. But I guess what benefits does actual cash give you? And then, you know, how is that like replicated in digital form? Yeah, yeah, great, great question. So, I mean, ca cash, as as we all traditionally know, it is, uh, you know, it's it's a bearer asset that that holds value, 
that people can transact peer to peer, right? In the in the real world, you're 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 selling donuts. Your donuts cost whatever six dollars. I could take six dollars out of my pocket, transfer it to you. It goes from me directly to you. It didn't go through any bank. It didn't go through any third party, right? It's a bearer asset. It's like I gave you gold coins, right? Or I give you six U.S. dollars. Uh, and additionally, when that transaction happens, it's not broadcast to the entire world. World, it's just that transaction happening between you and I, right? Nobody else knows that that happened. They don't know how much I sent. They don't know when I sent it. And so there is a lot of utility in in having cash, right?、Uh, it allows people to essentially communicate value in a free speech like manner. Right, without surveillance or potentially censorship, right? Because if you're not going through to third party, if it's not going through some corporate server, or if it's not being monitored by the government, when that transaction is made, it's just between two two people that have agreed to make it, and there's no third party that can can influence it. And so we've become used to this concept, right? We just Cash is king, right? We're all used to transacting in this way, but as we transfer into the digital realm, which we're all kind of effectively here already,、uh, we, you know, there's this、uh, belief that、uh, we're we're not, you know, if if cash is eliminated in the real world, that we'll have、uh, no way or no replacement in the digital. And so Monero is set out to solve that problem. Arguably, that's the problem that Bitcoin tried to solve. It's literally the title of the white paper: peer-to-peer digital cash system, right?、Uh, and so Bitcoin and then Monero was invented for this purpose of solving that problem of allowing people to transact peer-to-peer in digital form without any censorship. Or surveillance, essentially, so they could do、uh, cash-like things now on the internet. Yeah, I, I think、um, you know we're saying about this this like transition and the cash is king. I feel like there's a bit of a it's almost like a sleight of hand、um, because people aren't necessarily either they're not aware or they're just not thinking about it. Maybe that's the same thing,、um, but. Was kind of slowly moving into a cashless society, but it's kind of like this 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 creep、uh, mm-hmm. that we're moving into. It's starting to happen got... pretty fast now, though, right? Well, I, well, yeah, yeah, now it is, yeah, for sure.、Um, especially, obviously, after、uh, I mean, in the UK at least,、um, I don't think just from you know speaking to some of my American friends,、um, maybe maybe they had this in Canada. I don't I don't know,、um, but、uh, in the UK at least. Uh, during COVID, obviously contactless payments were the big thing, right? Everyone was pushed towards contactless payments,、um, and then you know we've got a, a, a level after that, which is obviously the CBDCs.、Um, but、uh, yeah, COVID really, really pushed us into a, a more cashless society for sure,、um, because it, I mean, essentially, businesses, I guess they could they could transact. I don't I don't think there was any like. Uh, laws that were saying that you have to use contactless, but I think it was like it was definitely heavily incentivized, and there was obviously a feeling because of you know COVID that if you you know if you didn't do that, then that was I guess a bad thing, right? So everyone felt like they were obliged、um, that owned a business to like oh I have to do contactless now because I'm not respecting the customer by doing that because I'm going to give them COVID or whatever, you know.、Um, 
So there was there was justification basically, and so yeah, you're right. It, it accelerated pretty damn quick. Um, you know, it, I mean, I'm talking small businesses. You know, I noticed that like they they'd never had a card machine before. Some of them just did deal dealt in cash. You know, some of them were really still old school, and in COVID, straight away, bam, they had the card machine in there. They had the cut. You know, contactless payments, just tap and go, tap and go. Um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, I'm. I'm at, I feel like, um, yeah, maybe this conversation is more important than ever now because, as you say, it's accelerating and it'll hit us quick. And and that's the issue. The issue. The scary thing is that once it's gone, it's gone. Once once like once our freedoms are gone, once our privacy's gone, once we're being tracked. Like, I mean, you know, if if you were to like steamroll, like nuke the whole government or whatever, you know, like start again, then you know. But or, or there's like a small chance of, of repeat, you know like uh repealing some of these things um but i think history shows that, like you know it's extreme it's it's a, like the biggest uphill battle that you can do like trying to get, get your rights back um it's not an easy task right usually yeah, it's like yeah. a revolution or a coup or whatever in, in a lot of cases well that, that's that's really what this gets at though though right because what, what makes it a dystopia is that you you enter this realm of where there is no coming back, where you can't even revolt, right? Because they're taking away the means to do that. That's that's why it becomes a dystopia, uh, you know, uh, story, right? So always historically, when governments got too pow- powerful or certain groups, right, people can always get together and, and revolt. But if you are effectively controlling everybody digitally. And then controlling the means by which they communicate and controlling their money and controlling their speech. There's no way for them to assemble, coordinate, use resources and money to revolt. Uh, and that's really the ultimately the concern, right, is that as we transition into the digital age, we need to make sure society has a means to prevent tyranny. And so traditionally, you know, that prevention has come in the form of the promises made in like the Constitution, right? That's like, kind of like the best thing we have. And that's really where, you know, the, the Bill of Rights, right? Or like, you know, the, 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 the first, second, you know, all, all those important amendments, right, are really for purposes of preventing tyranny. Uh, free speech, I think, being perhaps one of the, the most important to that end. Uh, you know, right to bear arms where there's, you know, analogies to be made there with with what crypto provides. But this idea that always allowing people to have this escape valve, this ability to, uh, you know, fight against tyranny through allowing minority opinions and uh, minority groups, a minority political group to work together to make sure that their ideas get out into the ethos so that they could affect and prevent some kind of pure tyranny where it's just one one party rule, one view, uh, one authority that that watches over everybody. So but that's that that's why, yeah, that's why digital cash, digital cash is going to be one of the things that we need to have that escape valve. Otherwise Lord there would there will be no means for us to to prevent ultimate tyranny yeah and that and um just to to go back to what you were saying about btc uh or bitcoin um one of the things because you were talking about like fungibility Mm -hmm. uh and one of the things that 
uh, started happening, or it's been happening for a while now, is um, Bitcoins, like going through whatever, your know, Coinbase, Binance, or whatever, are sort of being seized because they've been part of a, you know, transaction chain of like illicit, you know, whatever it is, something that's not, you know, deemed uh, correct by the state. Um, and so, you know, like you get like dirty Bitcoins, you know, that the whole thing, the concept of dirty Bitcoins. Sure, of course. Um, and so, I, you know, that's a problem. That's another reason why it's good to, um, you know, have, have like enhanced privacy and to care about privacy because, um, yeah, I mean, uh, like to, to link it to what you were just saying, when you think about um, sort of political opinions, right, there's this idea of social pressure. I don't know if you're familiar with, you've heard of the panopticon? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so if, if you think about it, point. It's big essential yeah, yeah. ledger that you know the, the watching eye can perfectly view. Exactly. So the, there's this there's this kind of idea of like even if you're not necessarily even uh, coerced in the traditional sense, like there's not like an authoritarian government or whatever, there still can be a sort of social pressure. Right. Applied because you know psychologically that everything you do is watched and all your transactions uh, are monitored and and can be, you know, seen at any time or pulled up. Um, And so then that affects how you behave and what you think. And um, yeah, they can get into this whole crazy, as you're saying, it's like dystopian uh, future where it's like um, you're trapped in it essentially. There is no no way out of it. Um, I also think. Uh, you know, when we talk about like our, our personal freedoms, um, I think this is something maybe that people don't think about when they think about, um, you know, like like we were talking about true digital cash or even cash itself, right? The ability to re- refuse to be taxed, mm-hmm. um, and whether you believe in you know taxation or not, or like minimal tax, minicism, libertarianism, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, that that's like a separate topic, but what I'm talking about is there might be s- specific situations where you don't want to fund a particular war, right? Mm-hmm. And if you're using, you know, it's so the reason I bring that specific example up is because obviously the the common rebuttal for you know like you know why why do you need to avoid tax is like oh well if you're not doing any harm why do you care that's only for criminals blah 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 but maybe it's not for criminals maybe it's for people that just don't like want to support the government in a war and so you're like i don't want to be taxed i don't want to fund that and so i'm going to pay people you know like under the table or you know off the books as they call it um Mm -hmm. so i think that's an important um kind of right that you're afforded by uh something like monero um so i I guess just to i I talk about that all the time i mean and and you know, that's what concerns me with Bitcoin, right? So like we said, there's the fungibility element. There's the ability for surveillance and the chilling effect that can come from that. Uh, but then there's, you know, this this idea of potentially being able to perfectly tax society because they're all sharing this one ledger that can be easily tracked and traced, right? And especially with enough resources can essentially be perfectly tracked and traced and you can associate the users with that ledger 
with the payments that are being made there. And you could perfectly assess taxes and then also perfectly um, claim your taxes, right? Because you, you know who the people are, you know how much money they have, and you can come and, and tell, you know, ask, ask them for the money. And if they say no, well, you'd be like, well, it's, it's right here on the ledger, you know? Or, oh, I lost, I lost my Bitcoin. I lost it in a boating accident. Okay. You know, two weeks later, that, that Bitcoin moves. Now, now, now you're in jail, right? They're going to come down, right? You, you said you didn't have your Bitcoin. We saw it move. You know, so like it's, it's dystopian in that sense too, right? Where society could effectively be perfectly taxed. And like you said, it's not about whether taxes should be paid or not, but should we live in a world where taxes can be essentially perfectly assessed and then mandated, uh, you know, that... Uh, by, by, a, by a government where there's no ability to avoid it. Unchecked governments have eradicated privacy and truth. Those who resist are brought down swiftly, but we refuse to submit. Unipunks are freedom fighters, protected by encrypted shadows. The future we're building is sovereign and uncensorable. The moon at night is coming. Yeah, no, I, I 100%, I, I agree. Um, well, I guess, I guess that gives me a chance to segue into um, Monero's privacy. So we're talking about tracking. Um, and I'd, again, I, I, I admit I'm not, you know, an expert in Monero or even matters of privacy, I suppose. Um, but uh, I am aware of like some sort of vague criticisms of Monero mm-hmm. and... Uh, is it the what do they call it again? What's the the count? Sorry, I forget the name. Um, the anonymity set. Um, I have heard some criticisms of the anonymity set. Mm-hmm. Um, do, do you have any response to that? Is there anything going on in Monero that's trying to be increased? Um, yeah. First thing I would say is anybody that's interested in this, check out MoneroTopia.com because we're going to be going into this stuff in great detail, right? So. I think that's one of the uh, another great feature of Monero is is its community and the open source nature of the project, right? I don't think anybody's out here saying it's perfect and that we've we've solved things, uh, but people are constantly questioning things and trying to fix them, right? Um, so the the issue you're talking about the anonymity set, so that that's one aspect of Monero. Monero uses three basic technologies to obfuscate the ledger, right? So. The first one is confidential transactions, and that essentially obfuscates the amounts. And that that's pure encryption. There's no concern about that aspect of Monero. That was actually invented by Bitcoiners. Uh, if you believe in the concept of encryption, then you should believe that, you know, that essentially that can't be cracked unless there's, you know, quantum computers or something that could overcome it. And then it doesn't get updated with some new version to be quantum resistant. But it's... It, that that's very that's very tested and hard and there's there's no concern there right that the amounts will be cracked so there's people the 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 ledger is perfectly obfuscated in that respect in terms of seeing the amounts another another technology is called stealth addresses and that obfuscates the receiver's address so when i send you monero you show me an address that i scan right I'm basically now as the sender taking that information, 
creating a new address, right? That then you can only you can open, right? And so what that effectively does is that creates a stealth address where there's no address to go look up on the blockchain. There's nothing to even find there. And that technology, stealth addresses also is very it's 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 true it's true encryption right um, there's there's no concerns there uh, both those things were uh, actually no the, so now let's get to the third so the third is where, where where people have the issue and that's that's called ring signatures and that obfuscates the sender so like Bitcoin there has to be a signer for a transaction right in Bitcoin it's very clear you know who the signer is. In Monero, the signers obfuscated through deception, right? So there's you're you're tricking uh, the those who are trying to surveil by showing multiple signers, and you don't know who the true signer is. But it's not done in some in, in encrypted way where there's a, a perfectly large anonymity set, which is the size of the entire network. But rather, it's currently actually it's uh, one of sixteen decoys. Which sounds low. It's effectively larger because, without getting to the technicalities, it's you know through the history of each signature. Um, but the point is, it's not an infinitely large anonymity set, uh, and that there's things that that can be done if somebody is trying to pinpoint and uh, track and trace a particular person's transactions to surveil the network. It really does. Do a, you know, arguably a very good job at, at preventing that, right? Some kind of mass surveillance. Number one, the amounts are are truly encrypted. The receiver is truly encrypted, but this one element, right? And so if there's some kind of like pinpointed attack where somebody wants to learn about you, there are things that can be done to kind of whittle away at the uh, options of who the potential sender can be and guesses can be made. Uh, through probability, not determine, you know, not even deterministically, right? I'm just giving you the, the worst possible case that uh, so it can't be deterministically cracked. But there's things, uh, information that's out there that can help somebody try to figure out who the actual real signer is. So that that is Monero's weakness, and it's constantly improving. So the decoys are always going up as technology improves. The only reason why we don't have you know a thousand decoys is because it would make transactions essentially very heavy, right? Um, so as there's and you want it to be used like cash, right? Well, yeah, it would cost too much to send a transaction. It would take too much time. It would require too much bandwidth, and it would require too much, you know, hardware to, to you know, essentially. Um, so we have to scale that up slowly, and so that gets scaled up as we make breakthroughs and other components of Monero, allowing us to increase that anonymity set essentially, right, with the amount of decoys. And then there's other uh, larger concepts that will likely be put in place. will will where we'll completely eradicate the concept of a ring signature and replace it with something more grand, uh, which is like, you know, true encryption, which is like being done in, in Zcash, right? They've, they've, they've implemented, uh, something that, you know, uh, of avoids the, the ring signature issue. And it's very likely that we'll see Monero move in that direction of full proofs, um, and, and implement that. But, See, the, I mean, the thing with Monero is it's 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 kind of 
interesting that the approaches of the projects, right? So Zcash is like sitting back was trying to create a, a perfect technology to then release, whereas Monero was trying to create digital cash today, right? And then scale up with the network as the network's being used and to improve it over time. Um, and do it in a open way, right? Where it's an op truly open source project. The community's involved. There's no corporation involved, right? Zcash has the Zcash Foundation. Uh, they've done some amazing things. They've they've created some amazing technology, but the ecosystem isn't as genuinely open source as Monero's is. And, you know, those that, that really study this stuff closely realize that that's a big part of the value here, right? One of the reasons that Monero, Bitcoin is so impressive is the way it started, right? It started by Satoshi Nakamoto. The Immaculate Conception. The Immaculate yeah. Conception, right? With a bunch of other nerds where it didn't have any value at the time. It was literally them, the value was them just nerding out and they, like obsessing about the technology where they're willing to make these sacrifices to, to build upon it. And it, it gained value from that, right? Out of Immaculate Conception, right? And so Monero has that Immaculate Conception story as well. It was invented... In 2014, also by anonymous group or a person, right? It was Nicholas Van Saberhagen. So NS instead of SN, instead of Satoshi Nakamoto, it was Nicholas Van Saberhagen. Some theorize that maybe some some of the same people involved, you know, in the in the Bitcoin white paper were involved in the crypto note white paper. So it's called crypto note. It's a completely different protocol. It wasn't a fork of Bitcoin. And when it was invented, you know, they they called out this shortcoming of Bitcoin. And they said, you know, we're going to recreate it and we're going to change some things. And primarily, you know, using technologies uh, like like ring signatures and stealth addresses and then and confidential transactions, which was actually invented by Bitcoiners. In fact, Satoshi, uh, Satoshi Nakamoto in a post essentially described Monero. He described the technology of ring signatures, right? And he described uh, stealth addresses. Which is you know which is what CryptoNote ended up being, which was launched soon there there after that post, um, and so you know Satoshi was fine with it, right? He was fine with ring signatures because that was the best tech at the time and trusted too, right? So uh, that's that's one of the you know the things that needs to needs to be considered, right? Because you're you're working with a technology that needs to be trusted, right, and secure. You can't move fast and break things, right? Bitcoin has done it to the you know degree where they basically ossified, right? But they're very careful in how they move because people are treating it like digital gold, digital cash. You can't one day that you know there's some bug there and and you know you could easily grab somebody's Bitcoin or double spend, right? So you have to be very careful with how you implement new technologies, and so adding privacy to a crypto is something where you can make big mistakes, right? And so you 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 know, you could add the new fangled thing that sounds amazing with an infinite uh, an anonymity set, but you're taking the risk of ha has it been truly vetted and is it understood to the degree where we know there could be no backdoor that was put in place when it was implemented or that there is no uh, way to crack the, you know, the encryption. Uh, so Monero used at the time, trusted technology to, to implement 
its digital cache-like features. And then the idea being it adds the new updated technology as those technologies become vetted and trusted, which is a smart way of doing it, right? While keeping in balance the... Uh, the the you know immaculate conception nature of of the network and the true open source nature of it. So would would you say um, then that Monero the the development is um, on the conservative side, but not on the ossification side like Bitcoin? Yeah, I would say compared to Bitcoin, it's it, it moves very fast and it does okay. change, right? Uh, but I would say, you know, it's, it's, it's highly vetted along the way. Uh, and it's, it's the community coming to consensus on adding new features. It's not some small corporation that's running it or small group that's running it. It's, there's no one founder that's running it, right? Uh, it's, it's a group of, of hackers. A lot of them are anonymous and they communicate together and decide what the new features will be. And then the community comes to consensus and it's implemented. And if the, you know, the miners adopt it, 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 gets, it gets added. But yeah, it, it's not ossified to the degree that Bitcoin is. Uh, Bitcoin really sells that as a positive. And like I said, there are positives to that because you want this thing to be secure but it's you know it's like clay, right? You don't want the clay to harden before you finish making your sculpture, right? You need to make sure you, you finish the project before it hardens. And I would argue that you know Monero is is effectively riding in the slipstream of Bitcoin and doing it in a way where it is evolving over time and making sure it's adding all the critical features before it finally ossifies. And one of those critical features being fungibility. Uh, Bitcoin, I think, ossified a little bit too soon and effectively is unable to, to, to pivot and add privacy on the protocol layer. Like it just... I think any Bitcoiner would, would probably tell you, like, you know, that that's not happening. They're not they're not gonna even though Adam Back invented confidential transactions and Monero they're not gonna add confidential transactions to Bitcoin. Very, very unlikely. You know, it would, it would take too much uh, political will and, and Bitcoin is already in, in too many different spheres that it's too difficult to come to consensus on such a large change like that. There'd be arguments that it's, uh, you know, it's a threat to its security or it's a threat to its 21 million, right? That, you know, we won't know that there'll be 21 million coins, whatever, whatever it is, like Bitcoin has gone too far beyond. Uh, so Monero, Monero, yes, it is. The goal is to ossify over time, but it really does uh, pivot more and you know evolve more than, than Bitcoin does. So there's the balance there that's being struck. So is there, um, as you mentioned, confidential transactions uh, and Adam Back, which kind of made me think of Blockstream and kind of the, some of the stuff they've put out and they have um, Blockstream, Blockstream Green um, and Blockstream, some, some other products um mm. but i think they're trying to do <coughs> excuse me i think they uh implemented confidential transactions i think in in one of the the things they're doing um anyway my, my point is it made me think of layer twos 
Um, does Monero yeah, implemented it in in Liquid, right? I think Liquid. Liquid that's it. That's his thing. Yeah, Liquid. Yeah, yeah. 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 Or, or their thing. Uh, it's not not just Adam back. Um, but um, yeah. So does does Monero have layer twos? Is that is that a concept in Monero? Is there talk about that, or is it already there? Uh, there's talk about it. There's papers that have been written, proposals of you know what a layer two might look like on on Monero. Uh, but Monero is really focused on layer one. It's really focused on being, I hate to say it, true digital cash, right? So on the protocol level, right? Like the second layer begins to arguably fiat things a little bit, right? It's no longer truly decentralized in, in how you transact, right? It's it's a second layer of abstraction that I think even Bitcoiners would would agree is is essentially less decentralized, less censorship resistant than doing it on a base layer. So Monero is really focused on the base layer and keeping it working as digital cash on that layer. So being built in a way where it could scale on the base layer where nodes could effectively be decentralized and run as as they are today globally with you know with people in the in their homes with you know perhaps above average CPUs but or even or average CPUs but the fact that anybody essentially anywhere could run a node and then in addition to that anyone anywhere can permissionlessly access the network with the CPU uh, even for mining purposes, Monero is CPU mined. And anyone, anywhere can send a transaction on chain for, you know, a, a third of a cent, right? And that number actually potentially goes down as more people use Monero uh, because Monero has something called dynamic blocks. Bitcoin has a fixed block size. Monero has a dynamic block size. So it allows more transactions to be stuffed into blocks as there's more demand and the blocks scale up dynamically based on that demand. So there's no fee market. Uh, there's no market for block space, right? In Bitcoin, that space is limited. And because of that, as more transactions are are fighting to be put into a transaction, uh, the fees inevitably go up, right? So if you pay a higher fee, then you get to get your transaction in the block instead of having to wait. Monero doesn't have that problem. Its blocks just scale dynamically and actually transaction fees go down over time. So Monero's really focused on that, right? Because it all ties into being true digital cash because you want it to be uh, private, fungible, cheap to send and you want it to be cent- truly censorship resistant and unconfiscatable right and all those things for that to happen that really needs to be happening on the base layer and not that Monero doesn't want to add second layers you know it will but the hope is that it can get pretty far right we could get to, to visa level exchange network on the base level and then Second layer, sure, and then maybe that becomes where other newfangled things are done on top of Monero. Um, but yeah, there's no, there's no, there's no Lightning Network currently on Monero. There's, there's, there's talks of it when, when, when we get to that point. But uh, Monero is really focused on layer one right now, for sure. Okay, no, that's interesting. Um, I mean, I, I guess in some way, I, I guess to see. There's because of the dynamic block size. There's less need for 
certain types of layer twos and things. And it's already got the privacy, which is like, you know, layer twos, there are a lot mm -hmm. of layer twos out there for Bitcoin that add privacy. And so it's, right. or speed or lower fees. So it kind of seems like Monero's got that covered. So why, why yeah, mess with it? Why add more complexity to the system mm -hmm. when that's, you know, you, that that's not, you try not to do that essentially. You're trying to make it just simple, but effective and efficient. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, the more complexity you add, the more likely uh, you know you are to, I guess, uh, break the privacy and and um, you know the decentralization and you know different more attack vectors and all this kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, it's really the, the security, right? Like you want this thing to be unstoppable, right? And for for that to to happen, it needs to ha it can't have any attack surfaces, right? Bitcoin's lack of privacy is an attack surface, right? Like we were talking about before, this gives governments the means to surveil transactions. It gives governments the means to potentially censure transactions by going to miners and asking them to do to do certain things, right? We don't want these transactions going through. Uh, these are all blacklisted. If transactions are you know obfuscated, they they can't they can't do that, right? Uh, Bitcoin's Bitcoin's mining. Bitcoin's mining is done with ASICs. Monero's is done with CPUs. ASICs potentially have this tendency to, to set, well, not tendency, they are centralizing, right? Because there's only so many companies that make ASICs. And then there's only so many companies that end up doing the majority of Bitcoin mining, right? Because of economy of scale. So it's whatever, four or five large companies that are going to have access to all the ASICs, right? And to, and to cheap electricity. And they do the majority of the mining, however many companies, but it's, it's a limited number, right? That That's going to well, mine. As, as an individual, you're looking at like 10K for like a decent ant miner. Right. And you're not competing in the network. It's the, the, so what you have, you have these large companies that then end up getting owned by the institutions that already control the marketplace. They end up controlling these public companies, these mining companies. These public mining companies end up having to follow regulations that are implemented by governments and they end up getting into cahoots with the government. Right? It's the same old story, yeah, like we see with every industry, with pharmaceutical companies. You have this tendency now towards centralization where it becomes this attack vector now where government can affect crypto because they get approach. They can't, they can't knock on the door of every single person who's mining in their home but if it's five or six mining companies that do the vast majority of the mining, there's a door for them to knock on and for people to influence whatever if they want to regulate them, whatever it may be, right? And so Monero really focuses on avoiding any of these shortcomings in terms of reducing its ability to be unstoppable. It's so encrypting its 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 ledger so it's private, so governments can't affect it in that way. Uh, and being CPU mined instead of instead of ASIC mined, and uh, being able to scale on chain without having to start thinking about second layers, where those second layers are then potentially co-optable by governments. Right? That's what it's. It's not even so much about the complexity; it's about maintaining a a system that can't be co-opted by any government or corporation. And there's arguments that moving to a second layer in in some ways could could open it up to those attacks. 
right? Okay. With, with Bitcoin, with the Lightning Network, there's only you know the nodes. It's questionable has the how the nodes will even be viewed. Will those be considered money transmitters at some point? There's questions there, and those become potential attacks where the government could could co-opt and start to control. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was uh, I won't say who it was, but I was speaking to someone the other day that's uh, being well in, in prison for um, money transmitting, basically. Um, but I, yeah, on, on, on that note and to, to, uh, sort of go back to, you mentioned the, um, that you mentioned them knocking on doors. Um, and I heard, uh, I forget the exact details of the story. Um, but I'm sure you're aware of it. One of the Monero devs, was it, was, uh, arrested. You, you, I'm sure you're aware of this story. Um, yeah. Yeah. So what, what, what well, do you think? I was just going to say, what do you think about what do you think about that that um, that stuff? Like, what what happened there? What's got? I, I you know, some people are saying like he's, he's snitching, and you know, that's just allegedly that's Twitter talk. So I'm not saying he is or anything. Don't take that seriously, people. But um, that's just what that, that was the conversation I saw. So like, what what's your take on uh, what happened recently with this this one of the Monero devs? Uh, my my take is that. That shouldn't be an issue, right? This is a true open source project. Uh, Fluffy Pony was one of the early, you know, part of the early core team that that developed Monero. But he he wasn't the, you know, he's not the CEO of Monero. There is no CEO of Monero. He was just some dude who was working on an open source project, right? He was the lead maintainer at, at some time. Uh, but if this project is what we claim it is, which is a tr- an open source project, project that anybody can work on then that that shouldn't be an issue and it should be built in a way that we don't care who fluffy pony is he maybe he worked for the nsa we shouldn't care right because it's all done out in the open fluffy pony says hey i think we should implement confidential transactions it's not like we all like turn the other way and he presses a button and he implements his evil version of confidential transactions he proposed it maybe he had some evil intention when he's proposing it but then everybody's looking at it like oh actually no we're gonna tweak this we see that you know that 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 that's not going to lead to a great outcome, whatever. But that that's uh, you know. So he it was Monero was developed out in the open. Uh, Fluffy Pony was one of those people that contributed, uh, and so you know I I don't know what's going on in his personal life. I wish him all the best because I think he did amazing things for Monero. Um, but the idea is we shouldn't have to care, and we don't. People in Monero don't, right? Because they they're more concerned about the protocol and the nature of how the system is being developed. And the belief is that it's being developed in in a in an open source way where we don't have to worry about the implications of Fluffy. If Fluffy's now consulting for you know three letter agencies, well, who cares, right? He has no more information than anybody else with regards to Monero. He might be able to explain it to them faster, right? So yeah. instead of them having to, to go read it or ask AI for their understanding, Fluffy can get to the crux. Oh, here you want to know like one potential, like, yeah, I would take a look at the ring signatures component, right? But that's that's all discussed out in the open, right? There's, 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 
talks and videos and papers written about it that, you know, Fluffy isn't the author of these. He's not holding back some info that nobody else has. The one fear would be if he had some kind of backdoor. And mm-hmm. like we said, Monero just wasn't built in a way where there ever would be a backdoor. It was built using technology. There was no trusted setup, right? When Zcash, for example, first, when Zcash launched, it launched with a trusted setup because that was the only way to do the, the method that they wanted to do for this perfect anonymity set. It actually required a trusted setup. Uh, they since forked from that. But my point being, like that could be a concern, right? In an environment like that where crypto was created with some small group, trusted setup, and then you know some of the people that were part of that group were then it was feared that they were compromised sure but there there is no scenario like that in bitcoin so yeah there's there's no concern there okay um but is there at least maybe um some concern that um I don't know that they may be coming for devs. Um, is this part of sure. a, a yeah, bigger operation? Is this part of a, the, the crypto crackdown, as people are calling it? Yeah, no, that that's very yeah, that's a very valid concern. Um, which I think is why it's important that these de- a good percentage of them stay stay anonymous if if they can, right? So uh, we we see that in Monero in a, in a very strong way. There's a lot of an- anonymous devs that do a lot of work on the project, but that yeah, that, that that's that's a concern. That's certainly a concern, and there's, you know, I mean, what, the way that that's the way we fight against that is yeah, devs staying anonymous when they can, uh, the project once again being truly open source so that somebody else could always pick up the ball and run with it, right? Government comes and co-ops these people or tries to t- take advantage of these people. New people step up. And continue to continue the project, right? And so that's that's really the the idea is why it can never be stopped. Is because somebody new people could always, you know, some disgruntled NSA employee is like, well, fuck them, they're going after Monero. Oh, I'm going after them. And at night he's working on Monero, right? As as a white hat, not as like as a guy who's helping Monero, right? Because he's he's helping the cause. So it. There, you know, there's there's concerns, but that those are if open if this if Monero is susceptible to that, Bitcoin is susceptible to that, any other crypto is susceptible to that, and then like crypto just doesn't work if we're concerned like that governments can somehow co-opt those that are developing it in, the, in a true open source project. But I I don't see how it would be possible. You know, it's just it just it just needs to be protections and and how uh, people go about developing, maintaining their anonymity if they can, and then putting it out there in a way where the architecture can always be accessed, right? So having ways where governments can't like shut down developers' access to the code. So things need to be put in place. And there's, there's constantly... Stop using GitHub constantly. only. Yeah, exactly. Stuff, yeah. yeah, and there's people working on that, trying to solve those issues. But ultimately, I think I think we're okay. I would yep. I would bet. It would be my bet. I, obviously, I don't know, but that, that would be my bet. Um, I, yeah, no, I think I think we are going to be okay. But obviously, also that doesn't mean that we we shouldn't push for certain things. Um, but I think like you know, no, we should be vigilant, right? Yeah, yeah, People, yeah, yeah. But I'm optimistic. Good will prevail, kind of thing. Um, <laughs> Because, uh, you know, uh, I guess that going back to something we were talking about before the podcast, like, uh, are we the good guys? You know, there's that question as well. But, uh, you know, I like to, to think we are the good guys. Um, 
or at least, you know, at least a large part of at least the principles on which crypto is founded is like valuable and probably a good thing for society. And we should care about privacy. We should care about, you know, global inclusion, you know, um, mm-hmm. all, all the good things. Um, I suppose, yeah, while we're on the, the sort of the principles and things, and you mentioned ZK, um, I guess one of the things, uh, and, and also involves the crypto crackdown, the regulations that are coming and things. Uh, I think in some ways, one of the things that I um, have seen about the Monero community and Monero and that, that I like, and you just talked about like a lot of Monero being anon or the devs being anon, um, is kind of the, uh, the sort of respect uh, for kind of the foundations of the the whole or well, the whole industry uh and that is like um at least as, it, as it's been as i've heard some people say it one of the guys i know you've interviewed uh amir taki um and he has this like kind of he'll be at week- monerotopia he'll be at monerotopia by the way in, in may in mexico oh sweet 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 yeah. um oh and um lunadow as well Lunadow's yeah. gonna yeah rachel, rachel rose um yep yep She'll be, oh well, not that she's the person running Lunar Down, but yeah, she's uh, she's going to be representing DarkFi. Uh, Amir is going to be there as well. I think talking about DarkFi as well. I think he's going to be actually. He wants to talk about implementing, uh, yeah, zk into into Monero. Um, he's he's interested in that, and there's a lot of people in Monero that are you know having the conversation. And like I said, it's it's probably likely that we'll move in this direction once we add Seraphis and then we figure out how to pull ring signatures out and put this in. But sorry, go ahead. What was your question? No, no, it's fine. It's fine. That was great. Um, Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I was basically just saying that um, Monero seems like, uh, you know, a community that that kind of still respects the the cypherpunks and the crypto-anarchist mission um, Mm -hmm. in, in, you know terms of privacy and all the things you've talked about like we're open to zk and we, you know you believe in freedom and privacy and and um i was you know i was reading the uh the crypto anarchist manifesto again recently and one of the things uh, that's mentioned is um trust or, or reputation even not trust and it says the reputation is going to be more important than ever when you get to these totally you know infinite set zk whatever i mean you don't have to do i guess you don't do a set right when you're on zk because it's not it's not based on the same thing you don't have to have an anon set it's it's done on proofs um but um and 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 monero does have zero knowledge proofs in part of its technology right so it uses bullet proofs which is a, a range proof uh, which is part of its confidential transaction system to make sure there's no, there's no essentially no double spend happening that there's no negative value that could be sent, just to be you know because that like that that it's it's kind of been that term has been like kind of co-opted the moment like what but yeah no but Monero is not using full proofs for its uh, sending for obfuscating the the sender. Well, yeah. and I mean, there's even there's the yeah there's the co-opted uh, the zk thing now. There's like all the every project's like we're zero knowledge zk evm zk yeah. this zk that, 
And but Monero, Monero implemented uh, bulletproofs uh, years ago, right? It's, it's not something that was like sexy and known in the industry. It was actually it was, it was a big breakthrough for Monero. It added a lot of efficiency to its transactions for its range proof, and it um, I forget it like it dropped by like eighty percent in terms of like transaction size, like overnight. It was it was tremendous. Wow. But yeah, no, Monero is is open to implementing the best te- whatever makes it more you know resistant to being co-opted and more and ma- allows it to maintain its true cash like nature. Monero is on that mission for sure. And like I said, and even if it means that it can't ossify, right? Maybe Monero is going to have to kind of always upgrade on the protocol level maybe not you know every year maybe it's every whatever it eventually becomes every i don't know 10 years but for purposes of making sure that monero stays ahead of those trying to attack it it's going to have to uh upgrade right because bitcoin is a different animal it's fundamentally transparent and what i think is eventually it's going to that's going to be its real value right that that it is transparent you know that it's it's more of a property and not so much a money and uh, you know who owns the property and i think there's there's utility there in having a system like that but that could allow you know it's not really under attack in that regard where transactions are trying to be tracked and traced but for monero it's always going to be a constant battle of preventing those who want to gain insight and data over the system to try to track and trace its users so I think I think we'll we'll always see it evolve to some degree. You're gonna have to even even after post zero knowledge proofs. You know, there's always gonna be something, right? And next, we're worried about quantum computers, right? And well, right. So then there'll be how, how do we make a quantum proof? Things. Like, there's always gonna be something. At least you mentioned like the the DarkFi uh, team uh, or project. Um... Obviously, they have like a, a a kind of a narrative and a, like a philosophy, and their I'm, I'm I mean I'm quite interested in their kind of perspective because they um, kind of predict um, similar to what you said. Like, it's, there's always an uphill battle, um, but you know there there is like you know incoming uh, like heavy regulation because as I would imagine as the CBDCs become a thing, start to get implemented, then things like Monero become the antithesis to that. Like right now, there's like cash and there's other little things here and there that you can do with money and stuff. But then once the CBDCs are in, the threat to CBDCs and the way that their technology is something like Monero. So then it becomes even more, the more incentivized to come down on it um, and we can see that already, you know what I mean? And as, as more adoption come, comes and, um, you know, we have more like hacks on Ethereum and bridge hacks and all this, all this kind of stuff. And we got the FTX stuff and we got the NFTs and the money laundering. There's all this stuff. Um, but yeah, it, it does seem to me like uh, the, it, there's, you know, it, it's plausible that there's going to be... Um, like a bit of a war, not not just this ongoing battle that all, is always taking place. I agree with that already. I think that's just a given. Um, but it, it seems like there's going to be even more. We're really going to have a fight on our hands. Like I say, with the CBDCs and Monero is obviously going to be one of the top. Monero is one of the OGs. You know, what I mean, it's and a lot of people use it and a lot of people know about it. Um, 
and maybe Zcash. Uh, I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, like, how, how do you, I guess? Um, how do you feel about that? What like what what are your opinions on? Do you, do you think we're gonna have even more of a? It's gonna be more important than ever to focus on things like Monero and um, and just just before I let you answer, I think uh, that's one of the reasons. Even I'm not a Monero guy. And I don't know don't know a lot about Monero, but um, I guess from what I have seen and the, you know just people in the community and how they talk um, and the things that they're interested in, uh, it's uh, I see you guys as allies, right? I see at this point if it is true that we're going to get into this like crackdown phase and the really you know the CBDCs are coming, then it's like we we need as many allies as we can get, I think, um, and. Yeah. So yeah, I guess. What do you think about that? Like oncoming regulation? You think it's gonna? It's just gonna increase? Yeah. I mean, I I think uh, you know o- Operation Choke Point uh, is real, or even if it's not, right? I think governments have a lot. Those that are in power have a lot to lose if true crypto gets gains mainstream global adoption, right? So there's going to be this fight. Um, and then there'll be a continued fight in the future for governments always trying to like figure out how they can control, right? Track and surveil. But yeah, the the real big battle is going to happen now, which is kind of a last stand to try to prevent it from uh, gaining, uh, getting into enough people's hands where they they, they lose control. Uh, obviously, I, I don't think that's possible, right? Uh, especially with something like Monero. It's completely permissionless. Anyone, anywhere with access to the internet and electricity and a CPU, even if it's their phone, uh, can plug it in and they have they could start getting some Monero, right? They're mining, right? CPU. It's completely permissionless. And then anybody, anywhere can, can send a transaction to somebody else that's running the software. It's unstoppable. So I think the most important thing to to focus on and and to do as a community and those people that are in crypto and that care about crypto and that we want to see this vision come to fruition is to just use crypto and grow it because that's how it becomes. The tech is unstoppable, but it's only unstoppable if enough people use it. And I'm not just saying just like you go on an exchange and you buy it and you keep it on an exchange, right? Like that's not using crypto. That's like your fiatized crypto or it's, 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 or buying it with the hope that it turns into more and then you sell it when you need to sell it to go buy something, right? That's not that's not using crypto. I, I always say that if you've never sent anything from you know Binance or Coinbase, if you never go, if you've never been off the exchange, then you've never really used crypto. Yeah. It, you basically you you've like it, it's the same as like getting Robinhood and buying some stocks. It's right. like it's it, yeah, it's it, you haven't used crypto. If, if you're I, I yeah, if you're in this for purposes of weakening the state apparatus and strengthening individual liberty the only way that works is if people start using the tech for purposes of creating their own economy outside of the system that's how it works and there's really no way for them to stop people from doing that other than scaring them into thinking they can stop them and that there'll be repercussions if they do it right and so people are, are questioning, oh, we're worried about a ban. What are we going to do? They might ban Monero, which, which I guess I won't get any. And like, no, like that's all the more. Go now. Go and get it now. And, you know, they, they're, they're trying to scare you out of it, right? The ban, the ban it, they, can't, they can't physically, you know, 
ban they they could say it's banned but it's going to be very hard for them to effectuate that and it's and it's going to be impossible if people ignore it and they don't comply so the most important thing to do is just get in that mindset and realize you know you have the power over them that's that's what that's the beautiful thing about encryption right you have this this state entity that appears to have all the power in the world but through math we've leveled the playing field and so you know they can't they can't win right it puts a swiss bank in everybody's pocket but that's only going to work is if you actually put the swiss bank in your pocket and you use it and you don't let them scare you into thinking that you can't uh so we win if everybody does it and so that that's the message i'd put that's like monerotopia more than anything else that's the message it's always trying to to send opt out of dystopia and into monerotopia a big part of the conference is dedicated to that so not just talking about the tech but like all right now how do we build the economy how do we build this parallel economy um, you know, what, how do we get people together where, you know, people are, you know, whatever hiring, uh, you know, I'm in New York, I'm hiring a cons- consultant to do coding for me in whatever Iran and I'm paying them in Monero. How do we get, how do we build these ecosystems that creates this global economy outside of state control using true digital cash? And so it's not just about the tech, it's about building that economy. And then, they can, and then it can't be stopped. Yeah, no, 100%. But they're going to try, and they're going to try more, and there's going to be some scary times. But that's the point, right? They're going to try because they need to scare people out of it. So I agree, yeah. And, and it's, um, you know, it, I think, uh, another, I guess there's another thing that, that sort of parallels the, the, the dark fi vision of crypto. Um there's all too many people that aren't, you know, caring about this kind of stuff. Um, and that are kind of, you know, I guess just, just being too either relaxed or naive. Um, you know, I think like, like there's, there's a lack of, like you say, vigilance, right? Like there's, there's a lot of the kind of like solar punk Ethereum crowd that I guess like, you know, I don't hear him talk that much about like the state or anything. It, and and it, so maybe it's not even that like they are like status or like they love the central banks or they love the Fed or whatever, but they're, um, what do they call it? Like tacit approval. It's almost like they're just going along to get along. And it's like, no, it's, it's, it's like naive optimism. They're always like, oh, everything's going to be fine. It's like, no, it's not. It's not going to be fine. And like, what happened to the mission? And right. like, what happened to your principles? And what about the people in Africa that you're supposed to be helping? Like, what happens when the government bans crypto then? And then, like, what, what do they do? Like, how how do we? Like, obviously, they can still use it. But then, if our rails or our, our onboarding, you know, our, our, like, however we get into it, if if our side's banned, then how can we like send money over there? How can we do remittances, all that kind of stuff? Um. So yeah, I think uh, I, I definitely agree that that like you should go the other way. It shouldn't be like oh, be scared. Like I think you should dive more into mm-hmm. it. Um, absolutely. Uh, so I, I guess the the last thing just to finish up because we're like past the hour mark now. Um, Mordinals. I heard you talk yes. recently about Mordinals. Yes. Um, and I was also going to bring this up actually because we were talking about like scalability and the block size stuff. Mm-hmm. And I remember there was someone on your show that was there sort of, 
uh, criticism of it, or at least they were like careful to be like, they're a great thing. Um, was that it's like, was it in the TX extra? Mm -hmm. There's something like too much information going there and that can start causing issues. And, um, so yeah, what, what do you think about Mordinals? Uh, so Mordinals was an, is an attempt to put NFTs on Monero, right? And so it's, it doesn't really align with Monero's mission of being fungible digital cash to start making non-fungible units. And so it's not that, you know, Monero, once it's, it's just software, right? It's open source. If, people, if there's a demand for that and the market wants to do that, um, sure, let's let it happen, right? But not, not if it affects the true value proposition in any way, if it hurts the digital cash utility. That's a non-starter for the Monero community. And so the Monero community is aligned on that. And then there is fear that this M. Ordinal's attempt to put NFTs on Monero, well, not attempt, I mean, they are doing it, right? It, it's, it's functioning. Um, that it could, uh, that it is, uh, if, if it grew large enough, that it would uh, hurt Monero's fungibility, right? Uh, if it became large enough, it could start to affect it, right? It could start to hurt the ring signature component, right? So eventually, full membership proofs, yeah, then there's less of a, less of a concern if people want to mess around with NFTs on Monero. Like, it's not like people are necessarily against it. Like, me personally, I'm not against that. I think there's utility with NFTs. Uh, like, I think there's things that can be done with NFTs. A lot of interesting things can be done and will be are already being done and definitely will be done in the future using these concepts of NFTs. And I think for me, it was always a question of, well, what, what chain will it be on? Like, so I think inscriptions on Bitcoin, ordinals on Bitcoin, I think is actually very interesting, right? Because it's already, like we said, it's perfectly transparent. It's more property than money. NFTs on Bitcoin and now on the chain that's the most secure chain. You know, if you're going to own the Mona Lisa NFT, I'd want to own it on Bitcoin, right? Where it's saved in the Bitcoin, uh, you know, ledger, and then it's it's you know uh, it's not on some other server that's associated with some other coin. Like that would seem like the best way in my mind to own a, a pure NFT as opposed to owning it on Solana or some other thing or some other derivation of some weaker coin. Um, so I'm not against posed NFTs, and I don't think most people are in in Monero, but they're opposed to anybody who is doing things with Monero that could start to affect its fungibility. And so it's pivoting, like we said. So Monero, if it sees something that's going to hurt its its cash-like nature, it's going to make changes. So it's making changes to this TX extra field. It's already overnight, you know, made made a quick, quick change to essentially reduce the effect that M. Ordinals can have on increasing yes the size of the of the transactions right so people start stuffing a lot of data into this tx extra then transactions become heavier we don't want that it becomes more expensive to you know essentially run a run a full node and that then hurts the fund the the, uh, decentralized nature right so not as many people can run nodes um and then the other worry like i said is with the fungibility if now people are using it and it becomes you know whatever a large percentage of transactions are these nfts it can start to erode so monero is is moving doing things to the code base that will make it more difficult for these m ordinals to exist and if they do exist there'll be there'll be less chance that they'll be deterious to its cash like nature 
Okay, okay, that was, that was cool. That was a great explanation. Um, so uh, the the last thing uh, I want to ask, I guess, is there anything that you want to promote? Is there any topic you want to bring up? Any anything at all that you want to talk about? I, I kind of like to give my guests the floor. You can just say whatever you want. Uh, bring bring up whatever you want. Um, and if if there's nothing you particularly want to talk about, then um, obviously drop you know drop your links. Where can people find you, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I would say a, a good point to make, if anything, for anybody who's like kind of just learning about Monero, maybe they're they're like a BTC maxi, right? Because there's there's a lot of those, right? Or you know they're into some other crypto. Is if nothing more, if you don't see, you know, if you you see some flaws in Monero, or you don't see the importance of of its of its privacy, right? Is to look at it as if nothing more is being a hedge to Bitcoin. Uh, I think it's it's well aligned to be a really good hedge to Bitcoin. Like you said, it's one of the, one of the big three in terms of how long it's been around, in terms of how long it's been coded, and it does. And it it it's very it's very similar to Bitcoin, but it has like key differences that make it a good hedge. So Bitcoin is transparent. Monero is obfuscated. Bitcoin is ASIC mined. Monero is CPU mined. Bitcoin has fixed blocks. Monero has dynamics blocks. Bitcoin has a fixed hard cap of 21 million. Monero has a tail emission. We didn't even get into that, but arguably that gives it more security. Right? We don't know what's going to happen when Bitcoin hits its 21 million cap as to whether or not miners will still be incentivized enough to, to mine, right? because they're, they're no longer be getting block rewards, just transaction fees. But all the transaction fees are going to be happening on the second layer. So Monero built to scale on the first layer it has tail emission and it uses a monero uses a different elliptic curve than bitcoins arguably potentially more secure you could do the research on that uh, but the idea is it, it is different it's not the same as bitcoins and monero you know pivots more and evolves over time versus bitcoin which is ossified so if nothing more i would say you know look at it as a hedge to Bitcoin, right? But both of these things trying to be unstoppable means of transacting value. And Monero does a couple of different things in, in key ways. Uh, and then, yeah, the, the, the promo thing I like to throw out there is Monerotopia. So we're working hard on that, Sunita and I. We did our first conference last year in Miami. It was, it was a great success. We did that one alongside Bitcoin because we thought it would be good to do because we could get people to come over to our conference. But then we realized mo pretty much everybody that went to Monerotopia didn't even go to the Bitcoin conference. They came in for our conference. So we're like, all right, well, why are we going to stick around and hang, you know, be Bitcoin's little, little brother over here? We might as well just do it wherever we want. So this year we're doing it in Mexico City, which I think is a lot more accessible than Miami. It's cheaper too once you get down there. Uh, a lot of people outside of the States, they don't necessarily want to get a visa or can't get a visa to come into the US. So we're doing it in Mexico City. It's going to be a three-day conference. The first one was one day. And it's going to be, like, like I said before, it's, it's really going to be a, like a festival of digital cash on a technological level where we really go into the tech. We have a lot of, a lot of devs that are going to be there presenting 
uh, different components of Monero and talking about its its future. We have other privacy tech projects that are going to be presenting, like so so openly weighing different ideas. Oh, look what this project's doing versus what Monero is doing. Are there things we can learn from them? And then focusing on just building out this economy, right? So we have people there are going to be talking about agorism, people there are talking about the different uh, tools and systems that can be used to, for people to start building this parallel economy outside of state control. We're even going to have a marketplace there uh, where people can spend their Monero. We uh, incorporate it into the conference. We have a like a, a marketplace of local uh, Mexico City vendors that we've onboarding all of them to Monero. So for the three days you're there, you can buy your tacos there and your tequila and presents you want to bring home. And so that's Monerotopia. It's Monerotopia.com. It's May 5th, 6th, and 7th. Tickets are super cheap. It's like a hundred bucks. I think you go to the Bitcoin conference now. I don't even, I don't even want to know. It's like $700 or something. It's a hundred dollars. If you can't make it in person, we've added a virtual conference ticket, uh, which is also a hundred because we'd rather you come down there in person. But if you can't, uh, you could you could buy that. And there's a bunch of like discount codes um, that are like Libertarian. I think uh, is one of them that we made. So that's twenty percent off if you put in Libertarian, you get twenty percent off the ticket. And yeah, if you want to reach out, Monerotopia at Proton mail.com if you have a question about the conference maybe you want to come and vend if you want to come and uh i would say come and present but we have we have way too many presenters at this point we have two stages we have one stage that's going to be people that are presenting remotely and then we have a second stage for the in-person presentations and it's just going to be amazing we have uh peter todd just hit me up he said he's gonna he'll participate he's a big old school bitcoiner we got him to come down um, I can start naming people as a lot. We have, like I said, Amir Taki. We have a lot, a lot of people, not just, not just like Monero people, like kind of like people that are, you know, part of the, the site, original Bitcoin cypherpunk vibe that are going to be involved as well. So Monerotopia.com. That's, that's the thing I want to get out there, man. That, no, that was great. And we'll obviously put all the links in the description below guys. So go down there. Um, and yeah, a hundred dollars. That's a great price. Um, yeah. And uh, I yeah, should guys, say I'm, not, too. I, I'm not making any money. That was an honest <laughs> thing. I actually think hundred, like uh, you know, I don't get free tickets or anything. So like, no. But that sounded actually really cool. Um, especially the festival thing, and uh, the fact that you've onboarded, um, you know, the the people so they can the, the vendors, mm -hmm. uh, because everything we've just been talking about, uh, that kind of gives you a taste in some way of what what it might be like if you know Monero had more adoption or we were in this more like crypto friendly kind of society you know I think that that was what came to mind when you said it was three days and you said oh we've actually done a lot of work to onboard these vendors I thought well that's really that must be a really cool experience because you're actually using it exactly. you're showing you're leading by example essentially exactly like if you came down there as a complete Monero new by the time you left you would you would know Monero and have used Monero. We'll, we'll hook you up with a wallet. We'll have sponsor. We have some sponsors, so we're gonna put money towards giving people Monero if they're like complete noobs, whatever. Give them five bucks or something, whatever. And they can use it throughout the weekend. Uh, and then we have workshops too. So like people will learn how to use wallets. Uh, they'll learn how to run a full node. They'll learn how to mine if they want to. 
Uh, so it's it's very practical, right? It's not just about oh, what's the price of Monero? What do you what do you think the price of Monero is going to be in a year from now? And talking no, we're talking about the tech and like getting to work with building the economy that's going to be using it. Brilliant, brilliant. That's what I like to hear. Um, okay, well, uh, guys, it's been a great episode. Uh, thank you, Doug, for coming Cheers. a lot. This has been a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. Um, obviously, like I said, everyone check out links below. We're going to put links to Monero Utopia and where you can get your tickets. Um, and yeah, this has uh, been Fiat Lux with uh, Doug Tuman of Monero Talk. And uh... Cheers, man. Thank you.